What's up, fellas? This is Joe Thomas. In case you guys forgot who I was, uh, it's good to see your smiling faces again today. I, I see NFD down there laughing a little bit. Uh, if you just tuned in to the beginning here, this is the Tomahawk Show, the highest rated podcast in history. of all time. We do have news, though. We're, we're, we're over 3,000 uh, five-star ratings, which is a big deal. That snuck up on really? us, and I wasn't paying attention, but we're officially over 3K. I believe that is what? Two or three times as many as pardon my take. And actually, Bill Simmons called me yesterday asking for advice on how he can boost his uh, number of followers and uh, five-star ratings. And I told him, no, you can't have any of that advice. We do have the best fan base, though. I don't know how many listens we get. I think it's something like a million. But 3,000 five-star ratings is a big deal. So we appreciate all the – what is the name of our fans, Dan? The Tomahawkians? We're the the no-face fans or the Tomahawk. No, it was the Tomahawk. Tomaflock. Yeah. Shout out to the Tomaflock. Yeah, I like that. That works pretty good. First time we've referenced them since we named them three weeks ago. (laughs) Well, they've been, they haven't been, they've been silent on the show, but we appreciate them. As always, for our Tomaflock, you can tweet us at Twitter, um, hashtag Tomahawk with an H. Make sure you hit up our Reddit page. Last week we had the Miz and Gary Barnage, who are Cleveland legends. We had a lot of fun with those guys. Today it's just us, back the old gang back together, just talking shop like usual, per use. You're skipping over something important from last week. You know, we had the wrestling draft. How'd those results come out? We didn't really have the wrestling draft. We had the wrestling draft, but it, it's like one of those trees that falls in the woods that doesn't make a sound. It's I got 5.5 million votes on Twitter that say different. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I guess you win, Dan. You, you get, you're naming me the winner? I think the Twitter Tomaflock named me the winner with 47% of the votes. The true wrestling fans knew my team was the best. Joe, you had last all, your again. game was all flash. Mine was actual skill. All right? We were the New England Patriots of wrestling draft, and you were just the – you were paper champs. I admit, you put together a good squad, but, I mean, Joe's was just Joe's was terrible. Worst. I mean, the consensus every week of every draft is Joe is a horrible drafter. Do you understand how drafts work, Joe? He You're no supposed idea. to take the best person available. Guys, I feel very strongly, even if we redrafted, I don't think I would take anything differently because I feel that my teams were definitely underrated, definitely underappreciated, but that's the way I've been my whole career. You know, I was just a little guy that nobody said that could make it. I was the little engine that could. The little 6'8", 330-pound little guy who just yeah. he just kept working. The yeah, first I just worked harder than everybody else. pick. <laughs> and I think the reason why that, time pro bowler nobody thought I could do it just defying the odds they waited till three to take me in the NFL draft yeah. about how many times I was passed over you were on the lake fishing just sweating bullets because you couldn't <laughs> believe you were sliding so far in the draft oh yeah 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 whatever whatever what do we got coming up Joe you talk Big Ben Matt Ryan got a gazillion dollars from the Falcons for some reason we'll talk about that Adrian Peterson what's going on with Adrian Peterson well, you know, he's one of these workout guys in the offseason. You know, there's there's kind of two camps in the NFL. I think there's guys that want to make sure everybody knows how much they work out. And then there's guys that like to kind of go off the grid and, and be quiet in the offseason and go about their business, work out quietly, right? There's guys like Hawk that, you know, they miss the attention that they get during the season, you know, <laughs> when their name is called. And so they put the one time they work out all offseason <laughs> on Twitter – the 15 second clip of their warm up <laughs> that he plays at double speed. So everyone thinks he's fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And gosh. then everyone watches that and thinks, wow, this is what Andrew does every morning at 5 a.m. He's such a hard worker. And then there's guy like, guys like me and NFD 
who we grind day in and day out, but we never put anything like that on social media because that's not what it's about. The reward is in the work itself. Yeah, I wouldn't put it on social media either for that mediocre uh, footwork you, you two are both sporting around here. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we, we got some interesting conversation here with uh, Adrian Peterson's workout because I've got some strong feelings about it. Uh, and I'm just bitter because I'm not as uh, fast. It, it's mostly rooted in jealousy, but we'll get yeah, to no, that. No doubt. We'll also get into the NFL Network's top 100 player countdown. We've got some more players, a couple over, over-ranked players, if you, if you ask me and uh, Joe here. We'll get into that as well. Um, and, we, and, of course, we got our mock draft today. What are we mock drafting today, NFD? Fast food restaurants. Mm. And, I feel like it's another draft that I would, I'm going to win. Well, you're clearly going to be the best because uh, based on where your body fat composition has gone in the last six months, you spent a lot of time at the fast food chain. I've been researching for nine straight months now <laughs> for this draft. I've been preparing and I am ready. Uh, and of course, we got the Tomahawk Q&A at the end, which is a favorite. And I got to be honest, I'm pretty excited. No guests today. We kind of get back to just shooting the breeze, talking, talking shop, talking football. Mm-hmm. and uh, hot takes, which is what we do best. So before we dive right into it, I want to hear a little bit about your weeks. Hawk, what you been up to lately? Man, I travel a lot. So I do a lot of stuff at ESPN, um, which takes up a lot of my time. And I have my other job. I have like three jobs, man, which is different. But which one's most important to you? Um, the Tomahawk Show is number one in my heart. So that's, this is what I devote most of my time to. And by most of my time, I mean I prepare five minutes before the show. And I <laughs> I'll take the, I'll take the other. Yeah, and, it shows. And I give the, the smartest takes. <laughs> so oh, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's the majority of my week. What have you been up to lately? Where well, have you been mo- flying in your private jet, your G550? <laughs> yeah. It was Mother's Day weekend last weekend. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the moms. Shout out to the moms. My wife is from here. Both of our moms, our families are all from here. So we got to spend time driving all over doing Mother's Day with my mom, her mom, my wife, who's a mom. So a lot of busyness going on there, but it was all fun. What'd you get your wife for Mother's Day, NFD? My daughter got her a big wine glass. That's nice. Best mom ever <laughs> with a bottle of wine. I thought you and would get my, da- her a, my daughter's two years old. I thought you would get her a Joe Thomas jersey. Yeah, he should have. He wasn't thinking very clearly when he bought the <laughs> wine over the Joe Thomas jersey. They're about the he same wanted, price, he too. wanted an Andrew Hawkins jersey, but we got yeah. it. Oh, those, are, those are in the rafters. They're never coming down. <laughs> Joe, what'd, you, what'd, you, what'd you get your wife for Mother's Day, Joe? I got her love and happiness and a, oh, a lifetime of compassion. <laughs> Loser of the – you suck at draft hey, and Mother's Day. That's I got to be honest. This is, <laughs> this is totally uh, an embarrassing moment. But um, whenever I think Mother's Day, I'm like, oh, crap. I got to get my mother-in-law and I got to get my mom. So I'm like, okay, flowers and, uh, you know, nice chocolate, that type of stuff for my mom. Nice card. Boom. Same thing for the mother-in-law. And I always forget about my wife that she's a mother. Oh, now that, gosh, now that we have like almost four children. Yeah, I was going to say, and, mother, how many? Four? <laughs> yeah, right. And so now I'm like, well, shouldn't my kids be getting you mother's stuff? Because you're not my mother. Oh, like, that's your take on your mother's day take. You're not my mother, so I'm not getting you a gift. <laughs> my kids are like five. Wow, welcome three. to the Tomahawk Show. And uh, I forgot. I totally like forgot up till about three or four days out. And we were in Wisconsin, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And so I didn't really have an opportunity to like <laughs> get her fish. at the last minute. I was like, shit, I really better make this, this up. Like this wide mouth bass, babe. Yeah. <laughs> how, how about this great hug from me and the kids? <laughs> this is amazing. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm a little embarrassed. I didn't get her anything uh, really special, but um, yeah. 
definitely going to make it up next time I have an opportunity, which seems okay. like with these holidays come every month, you know, it's like birthday, yeah. anniversary, sweetest day, Valentine's Day, Christmas, Easter. Nowadays, you see me have to buy your spouse something. I'm just yeah. overloaded with all these holidays to buy like very special gifts for. Well, I, I, I usually go all out Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. Listen to you. <laughs> After Joe said, I totally forgot. You knew Hawk was going to say I did. All I go all out. Really so I got my gifts for my wife. I got gifts for my mom. We got gifts for her mom. I would take the kids to the mall and let them pick out a gift. Mm. You know, I, there's that, that's the, I save all the other holidays to make sure I go out for that one because that's the, that's the most important one, Joe. And I'm, I'm here right. to tell you. What gifts did you get your wife? I, I, I got her a painting, a beautiful painting. Of, of yourself her. with a shirt off? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Back when I was buff, I got her that. <laughs> and then I got her uh, some some a Pandora charm for her bracelet, and then I bought her a purse. Okay. All right. Really putting Joe to shame. Yeah. Looks like I win Mother's Day as well. Yeah, you did. Multiple choice question here, Hawk. Okay. Was that purse between one and two hundred dollars? Two and five hundred dollars. That's B. Five and a thousand, or more than a thousand dollars. Where is the no comment? Oh my God, it was over a thousand dollars. I never ridiculous. said it was over a thousand dollars. I know it was. If you didn't, comment, that means it was over a thousand. I don't care if it was six million dollars. <laughs> my wife deserves it. And oh, your wife listen, hey, hang on, slow clap. For that. <laughs> All right, so that's how we spent our Mother's Day. Yeah, Joe dropping the ball, the biggest ball drop of 2018. Um, let's get <laughs> I, can't, I can't even comprehend a thousand dollar purse right now. <laughs> Man, yeah, Hawk is so rich. He's got thousand dollar purses like in the back of his truck. I fly spirit so that on Mother's Day I can do something special for my lady. Your tomahawk check must have some extra zeros at the end. You guys, I just have zeros at the front. You've you've been on planes (laughs) with me. You've seen me in middle seats on Spirit Airlines. Way back, you were in the back of the plane. In the back of the plane, I do that that on Mother's Day. I can make sure I was in first class. Exactly. That's because you're five foot five. And you fit in a coach seat like I fit in a first-class uh, Cutter Airways flight to Dubai. <laughs> you are abnormally big. But <laughs> wear it. Wear it with pride. Listen, we get a lot of tweets. I got a bone to pick with some of our, uh, some of our Tomaflock who tweet us like, get back to football. Tweet more about or talk more about football. You know how hard it is to find, like, interesting headlines about NFL football in the middle of May? <laughs> I would love to talk more about football. Me too. We have nothing to talk about. But all we have is crappy NFL Network countdown, top player. <laughs> and like if people get arrested or suspended. So thanks to Mark Ingram, shout out of the week for getting suspended <laughs> this week. So we got something to talk about. Give That's us our really football exciting. news back. Yeah. But, uh, but anyways, actually, there is something. Let's get right into it. Sports betting at the Supreme Court level was just legalized. So now it's going to be up to the states to decide. And, of course, New Jersey, I think, was the one that brought the lawsuit out. And everyone kind of assumes that once New Jersey fully legalizes it, that there's going to be a domino effect and most of the other states are going to do it. If not, everyone's going to be able to gamble online in New Jersey or whatever it may be. So uh, let me pose the question to you, Mr. Hawkins. How, if at all, is this going to affect specifically the NFL football game now that in all likelihood, everybody in the country is going to be able to gamble on football legally? I mean, they were already gambling on football. Like, I, I get it's a big deal. It is monumental around sports. But honestly, it, I think it will raise uh, the attractiveness of sports. Like, more people will be in tune. More people want to watch. They're going to be more invested in it. 
because it, it all it did was remove like the taboo around sports betting. I have a bunch of friends who are big sports fans. They all gamble. They all bet. They watch every game. I got friends who are betting on the most obscure sports you could even imagine. Again, I think all this does just, it just, there's no longer taboo. Now we can do it out in the open. They can do it out in the open because I suck at betting. So I never get into it because I don't like losing money. But yeah, I, I think it'll actually raise interest around sports, to be honest. Well, I think there's no doubt it's going to raise interest. Do you think, though, that the gambling interest, which historically has had the mob connections and mm-hmm. shit, you went to Toledo. You had some guys a few years before. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's, but, like in a lot of trouble. Let's I mean, keep court cases off the tomahawk, all right? Don't get me indicted here. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I think back, uh, what was that, in the 90s? There was somebody at Toledo that was fixing By game. 90s, you mean my freshman and sophomore year? Oh, yeah, my gosh, are you serious? Yeah. What happened? Why don't you give us the background? Well, it was, I don't. What allegedly happened? Yeah. What allegedly happened was there were some players who may or may not have been fumbling for money. um, And we call that point shaving. It was crazy because I I remember like when everything was going down, you don't, I didn't really know. I'm like, I don't know what it is about me. Maybe because my head is always in the clouds and I have zero self-awareness, but I never really know what's going on. Like people always talk about like steroids in sports. And I've never been offered steroids. I actually feel disrespected by it. That people don't are like, hey, man, you're 5'7 and fighting all these giants. You should probably benefit from some steroids. I never got offered. I don't even know how to go about finding somebody with steroids. This was like a long hey, hang on a second. That's exactly what somebody would say that's been using steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to find steroids if I wanted to. This would be a good segue to our next topic, but <laughs> back to the point shaving thing. So it, all of a sudden, they were just FBI agents around the school, and they were pulling guys out of classes and out of their homes and out of meetings and question them. And, you know, guys had to go talk in front of a grand jury and all this stuff. And it was like the report was that people were fumbling and getting this paid. The football for team, not the basketball team. And the, so it, like, started with the football team, and it spiraled that it was, like, multiple sports. Really? Um, but it, it ended up being just, like – two or three guys who got in, you know, bed with the wrong, with the wrong group of guys. And, you know, they were kind of being held hostage to, to do what these guys were, were making them do. But again, I, I had no idea. I thought, you know, some guys, I'm like, man, that guy can hang on to the football for anything. <laughs> Every time he gets the ball, he fumbles. That is weird. You should do more. But, but only when we're winning by 20 points against yeah. crappy teams. Exactly. It's like you only get four carries at the end of the game and you fumble every time. It's so crazy. But yeah, so that was wow. That was my thing around sports Interesting. sports gambling and, and point shaving. But yeah, like you said, it's like the prohibition days, right? Like, you know, alcohol was like a mob thing, right? And then that got legalized and you don't even think about it the same way anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's how sports betting is gonna be. Uh here's my take on the sports betting thing is one, I think the NFL is going to ramp up the offseason and training camp presentations where they bring in, you know, the suits in the NFL and they talk about how bad gambling is and how you got to stay away from the gambling type people and how, uh, you know, if you even think about sports betting or point shaving, you know, they'll throw you in jail and stuff. Because really right now it's not much of a deal. I think when I was mm-hmm. in college, I remember sitting through a couple of those presentations from the NCAA and I didn't even really know what point shaving was at the time I didn't even know what they were talking about also By something the time, a guy who point shaves would say <laughs> yeah, exactly as a left tackle I guess I've I'm never even heard of point shaving 
Yeah, I guess I guess I could get the quarterback murder, but that never happened in my career. So of course I didn't point shit. But uh, anyways, um, I, I think they talked about it briefly. Maybe they gave you that that handbook they would pass out at the beginning of the year that you had to sign yeah. under duress and say I agreed all this crap that's in here that I don't even know what's in here. <laughs> but um, it was never much of an issue. But I think now if it's going to be totally legalized league wide or. Uh, nationwide i think they're going to have to really step up their enforcement their um, education side of things because obviously that's something that you can't have people getting involved into and if they had a guy like one of the faces of the nfl or one of the really big names in the league that would be so detrimental to the shield and and the brand as a whole so they're going to definitely jump out in front of that but what i will say is i don't think the the concern of point shaving is as strong as it used to be maybe 20, 30 years ago. Like when um, uh, Pete Rose was betting on baseball, right? Yeah. Those guys at the top of the game were making a couple hundred thousand dollars. Now they were making a ton of money by any standard, but compared to today's professional athletes, they were making pittance, right? Right. As we're going to talk about later in the show, Matt Ryan just signed a more than $100 million contract. You think he's going to risk going to jail over throwing a couple interceptions to make a few hundred thousand dollars more? No. So I don't think it's going to be an issue in today's professional sports because the professional athletes in today's sports are making so much more money that there's no way they're going to be getting involved in point shaving because they would have to have bets in the millions and millions of dollars in order to actually have a financial incentive to do something like this. Mm -hmm. And those are the type of bets that are going to ring all sorts of alarm bells in Vegas and wherever those bets are being taken. And so I just don't think it's going to be much of an issue because flat out today's players make so much money. Yeah, I agree. And and that's actually how the the feds got tipped off Toledo. They were like, all of a sudden people are betting like crazy amounts of money and there's all this action around like Toledo Wednesday night games in the glass bowl. Yeah, I'll get on some action there. That's how they get tipped off. But that's that's a perfect point because I think where the risk comes in is college because you're literally making, besides the fact you're already making billions of dollars off these kids, now there's another legal billion-dollar industry around sports betting that the college kids aren't getting a piece of. So there's more incentive for them to maybe start point-shaving or getting involved in it more because you're not paying them anyway, which is ridiculous. And which also goes to the point on the NFL side is that, again, there's this billion dollar sports uh, betting industry that is now legal. How are the players going to get compensated for that? Are they going to get any piece of the pie anywhere as like, you know, companies start popping up and they start advertising around this and you you're going to see what kind of crazy industry it is. You know, I, I, th- I think that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think the NFL will benefit overall because they'll be able to find a way to monetize it. And, and that all trickles down to the players in the end because we do share revenue on some levels. Yeah, uh, We, as in NFL players, we're not NFL players anymore, but uh, back when we, we were not has-beens. Those were the good old days, weren't they, The Joe? good old days. But you're right. College is where there's really going to be an issue. I, I truly think that college is the vulnerability. Like you mentioned, those kids don't make any money. They're playing mm-hmm. for free and they get somebody that's going to come up to them and say, Hey, you want to make five, you want to make 10,000 bucks real easy. That's where the danger is. But Matt Ryan's not going to potentially go to jail over five or 10,000 bucks from something. Exactly. That's what I mean. You know how good you have to be to point shave. Right. Like to be able to affect the, to affect the game in that way 
and still be secure in your job, you have to be like, there's only, only top level players can really point shave because yeah. if you're on the lower end, you risk never making any more professional money ever. Mm-hmm. So unless it's like, Hey man, you fumble, I'll give you $10 million. And you're a <laughs> special teams player that has one play in the perfect game. Then it's, I just don't see it happening. Yep. I agree. Hey, I got a question, Hawk. How much was your scholarship check at Toledo per mm. month? I think I was, I remember when I first got there, it was like in the 900s. And I think it ended up like when I graduated around 11, 1180 maybe. And what were you paying in rent a month? Man, I think I was, well, at the time, there was like five of us in a house. We were playing 240 one time. And I remember we had to move Whoa. to three people in a, or three people in the house and it went up to like to the 400 i'm like this is ridiculous 400 a month for rent what are we doing here but yeah i think it was between on average probably 275 and, and 350 mm-hmm. did your house have a roof by any chance we lived in the hood we lived in the hood there was one time we went to there was we got our, our so we would get pell grants right so yeah people don't know what pell grants are they're checks that come at the beginning of each semester you know, let's say you're a family um, that doesn't have big income. You got a lot of kids in the house. And if you're on full scholarship, the Pell Grant is a grant that goes to your tuition. If you're on full, you get that cash back. So it, it comes out between like a thousand and two thousand dollars, depending on the, the level you are um, of your house household income. So we would get Pell Grant checks. And, you know, at that time, the beginning of each semester, guys were they're like rappers and, and NFL. So. <laughs> People going shopping, you're getting oh, shoes, yeah. you're getting new clothes, oh, yeah. partying, they drinks on me kind of thing. Uh-huh. So we got our Pell Grants. We all went out shopping. Literally, we were shopping all day. I probably had like five pairs of sneakers I bought, <laughs> a bunch of clothes. I, like me and four other guys, my roommates, we bought BB guns. We were like running around the campus. <laughs> so we like, you know, we had to go to like a meeting or something at nighttime meetings. So we put all our stuff. We just threw it in, in the house, locked the door, jumped in the car, went to the meeting. Went to the meeting. It was like an hour and a half. We got back from the meeting. Our door was laying flat on the, the ground oh. in the living room, our front door. All the shoes were gone. The BB no. guns, the sneakers, no. the clothes. They went upstairs and took, like, TVs. No way. This is the kind of neighborhood we were living in at the oh, time. Man. All your boys took all your shit. <laughs> they knew you were at the meeting. Somebody, it was definitely an inside job. Oh, man. yeah, for sure. I don't know who it was to this day, but they definitely got us. Did you have happen to have a roommate that wasn't an athlete that may have been <laughs> there at the time? <laughs> he let all his buddies with trucks know. Yeah, honestly. God. Somebody got us. That's I'm funny. Getting, I'm actually getting pissed off thinking about it. So let's transition yeah. to the next topic. Yeah. No, I want to I wanna keep talking about this because I remember <laughs> the Pell Grant. It was like a national holiday. Oh, was man. Awesome, man. When that Pell Grant money came out, everybody came back with new Timberlands and <laughs> North Face jackets. And uh, even though if you weren't a guy that you had a Pell Grant, you knew when those Pell Grants came out. Oh, yeah. It was looking real smooth the next day in the locker room. Everybody. But, yeah, I mean, it, I think – my scholarship check was around 900 bucks and my rent was about 320. So it was a pretty cheap rent, mm-hmm. but I mean, 600 bucks, that's, that's your food. That's your electric. That's your cable. That's your, yeah. all your other expenses for the rest of the month. And uh, you got to stretch that pretty thin to be able to survive, especially when you're a 300 pound college athlete, that's eating five or 6,000 calories of <laughs> food every single day. Uh, it's tough. So there's definitely a vulnerability there. But anyways, we, yeah, I think. Did you get checks in the summer? Yeah, but they were smaller. We didn't get checks in the summer, so we had did, to get jobs. 
So you I had a full time job in the summer working at factory. Like I would, I was putting really? like ten hour days at a factory just to be at school so I can be there for the off season workouts. Like I remember I had to take out a credit card that I literally paid off uh-huh. when I got to the NFL. Like uh-huh. it was like a a struggle fest. <laughs> like, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. So when we were in the summer. If you took classes, you got money. Like if you took 12 credits, you get your full $900. But if you only took, let's say, six credits, I think then you only got half of that. You know, so it was it was uh, prorated based on the number of credits. But I'm surprised you guys didn't get anything in the summer. Nope. They didn't start doing summer stuff in Toledo until probably 2010, maybe. And I was gone. Long gone by then. Yeah. But I tell you, when you're making 600 bucks in the summer and you're paying 320 in rent, you you find a party that has a five dollar all you can drink cup and you're spending the whole night there you ain't moving you don't even know what's in that cup man you're drinking bleach five dollar all you can oh Oh. man good old mac football what's up tomahawk fans i'm sure you're all wondering how joe and i came to be the greatest duo in football and podcast history after playing together on the field for years and spending countless hours in the studio we've gotten to know each other pretty well we have Uninterrupted and State Farm are teaming up to bring you The Sixth Sense, where NBA teammates like Victor Oladipo and Miles Turner show how they get each other like no one else, like me and Joe. Check out the latest episode of The Sixth Sense on youtube.com slash uninterrupted. And maybe you can get a teammate off the court or off the field that gets you to and even finishes your sandwiches. No, Hawk, I meant sentences. Uh, Anyways, like we do here on the Tomahawk Show. All right, so here we go. Speaking of Mac football. We got a, a Mac football alumni that we're going to sound off on. His name is Big Ben. I think you already did sound off. I, I did sound off. Do we have that clip? Can we play that clip? Even the Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson. I wouldn't be surprised if Flacco said, hey, I'm not mentoring Jackson because he's there to compete. Flacco still wants to play. But in this specific situation, this is a problem that Ben created. You've teased retirement every single offseason, in the middle of seasons. You've, you've alluded to you not feeling like you wanted to play anymore. What are the Steelers supposed to do? I'm from Western Pennsylvania. The Steelers didn't become great by relying on players and letting them hold them hostage. They were great before Ben Roethlisberger. They're going to make sure they do whatever they need to, need to to be great after he leaves. So, of course, they're going to draft a contingency plan, and it should be your duty to mentor him because the city of Pittsburgh and the organization has been incredible to you on and off the field. And that's that's how I think. So who who was that guy? Huh? That's not what you sound like on our show. <laughs> that's, You're such a nice guy, Andrew, on the Tomahawk show, but you go on ESPN and you just become a real jerk. That was <laughs> hot take hawk. That is hot take hawk. That's ESPN hawk. They, so uh, why don't you defend your comments here? I mean, we already kind of well, heard. My thing it. was this, and I and I like Big Ben. Big Ben is one of my top five quarterbacks, which we'll get into that. We should do it. We'll get in our top quarterback list in the league. But my problem was. During the season, I, this is the first year I've watched every NFL game. Literally every single game this season I watched because I had to do a radio show and I literally had to react live to every single game. And so I would, I could see, we would follow all the storylines. And there was times where Ben had like rough spells this year where he was saying he doesn't know if he has it anymore or he doesn't know if he wants to play. And then last year he was talking about retirement. This year he didn't know if he was going to come back. So in saying all of that, everybody kind of knew the Steelers were going to draft a quarterback and they would be idiots. Not like if the Steelers didn't draft a quarterback, they would be stupid. Right. And the Steelers are a storied franchise. So that wouldn't make sense for them to be stupid. So they draft a quarterback and then Ben gets upset that they drafted a quarterback and says things like, I don't know how that's going to help us win this year and how it's not his job to mentor him. And like, 
basically going on this tangent with all this stuff and it, it just seemed very unnecessary to me when a like i said it was a problem he created of course they're going to draft a quarterback if you're teasing retirement and b it's unnecessary you're the most recognizable face in Steelers history is that a bad take I'm, i was trying to think of other guys who would be you know, more recognizable than Ben. He's going in the ring of honor. He's going to be the most storied quarterback. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Even if you felt that way, my point is, what is the point of saying it? Like, what do you get by saying you're not going to mentor this young kid who was like 15 years younger than you? And when you got to the league, he was like seven. He probably has idolized you. And why wouldn't you want to mentor him when the organization has been so in your corner and supported you so much through your entire career. That was my, that was my point in saying that. So I got a little bit of passionate. Yeah. I got real passionate on ESPN, but I felt like I was justified. I think we should do a little role playing. All right, let's do it. I'm going to be Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. And you can be Andrew Hawkins. How about that? <laughs> I like this role play. This is All right. Ready? I'm going to, I'm going to start and say, okay, well, Andrew, uh, being in my 14th or 15th season, I feel like mm -hmm. I only have a couple more good seasons left before I'm going to start to decline. Yep. And I really wish the team would put all their assets behind me and try to put together a championship team. We got Le'Veon yeah. Bell. We got me. We've got Antonio Brown. We still got a good defense. We got an opportunity to make a two or three year run. Mm -hmm. Let's put those assets behind it and try to make it happen rather than wasting draft picks on guys that are just going to sit behind me for two, three, four years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden at the end of those four years, I may or may not keep playing. And now you've just wasted high picks and money on somebody right. that could be another weapon for me. So I just like, him. thanks Ben. I, we appreciate your concern. We, we appreciate your take Ben. But before we get into that, I want to ask a quick question. So you are going to play three and four years now. Well, because That's as it stood last year, you said you weren't sure if you were going to play in 2017. And then in 2017, you said you weren't sure if you were going to play in 2018. So, Ben, um, I don't know if you know how football works, but we need a quarterback. Mm -hmm. and we need I don't. A good one. Um, so I can explain that to you. And I'm glad that you're finally coming in our office and telling us this, Ben, as opposed to going on radio shows and media, because we weren't sure you knew where our door was, being how we have had a relationship for 15 plus years now. So we're glad that you are finally coming here and having the conversation that the leader and face of a franchise should have with his uh, – well, Andrew, you know how I am. You know I'm a guy that after the season I'm tired and yeah. it's everything that NFL players go through. They, they go through that back and forth of are they really ready to keep playing, but yeah. I have never been actually serious about being ready to retire. It's just really? I, don't have a, I don't have a filter sometimes. You know that I'm an emotional guy. I go to the media and I kind of just say things that are at the top of my head but it's not necessarily how I deeply feel. And right. I would come to you guys first if there was ever any inkling of actually feeling like I'm going to retire. Those are quotes that are just sort of taken out of context sometimes okay. by my friends in the media as I'm just mulling my normal offseason like most NFL players do. So you're impulsive is what you're telling me. You know I'm impulsive. Okay. I so got in trouble early in my career for being impulsive. I've gotten in trouble with the media for being impulsive. And you just know that's how I am. And yeah. guys have accepted it because I've been such a great player for you for so long. I've beaten the Browns way too many times, and I feel really <laughs> bad about that. But I think you guys owe me at least to be able to put the resources behind what I'm doing towards the end of my career to be able to try to at least win another couple championships. Yeah, we Ben, we love you here. You were you a part of the Steelers organization forever. We've stuck by you through thick and thin. We've 
gone through the ringer together, Ben. You know that. But with your impulsive personality, what if you impulsively decide to retire? Then where does that leave the franchise that's been so good to you over the years? And you've been really good to us, which is why we don't Im- Im- impulsively badmouth you in the media because that creates unnecessary headlines. And as this organization has operated since the beginning of time, we try not to make unnecessary headlines. And as our leader, we would expect you to do the same thing. But again, we have to be prepared. Ben, I'm going to ask you a question. If you bought a new car and we told you there was a 50% chance that your car is going to burst into flames and it costs you a hundred million dollars, Ben. And all of a sudden, there was a 50% chance you would no longer have your $100 million car. Would you buy insurance, Ben? I think I would. Yeah, that'd be a good, that'd be a good move, Ben. So it depends on how much insurance costs. We how are fans of insurance here. Uh, so, is the insurance $100 million a year? Because then I'm not no, buying it. the insurance is actually really, really cheap. As what is it, like a first round pick or? It's, it's probably 5% of the $100 million the car costs. So we got it at a really, really low price. <laughs> There's so, your Toledo education right there. It's probably around 5% of the $100 million cost, Ben. And here at the Steelers, we are big proponents of insurance. So look at this as insurance <laughs> policy. Insurance companies. Yeah. They sell a lot of insurance products along with Heinz ketchup. And scene. All right, good. That was good. I liked it. But one. actually, what we should uh, put out a poll, see who uh, the, the Tom of Flock think did a better job in that argument me, I mean Ben Roethlisberger. Well, you said Andrew it was. Hawkins. You said it was Andrew Hawkins. I was role playing myself. I actually took the role of the Steelers, which was, <laughs> which, well, I guess gives, which gives me the- an F because all of a sudden Andrew Hawkins owns the Steelers. But yeah, I think I think well, our point got across. I think you did a better job because we should have said the Steelers all along. You should have been Dan, uh, Mr. Rooney, one of the Rooneys. I should Rooney. whoever's running the team right now. I don't I don't know which Rooney is running right now, but one of them. But I will say, like I said, I'm I'm. I'm not a Ben hater. I actually love Ben. And I am from Western Pennsylvania. And I say that because I grew up in Steeler country. My whole family are Steelers. So imagine me playing for the Bengals and Browns my whole career and my family, my mom, being a huge Steeler fan. Like secretly rooting, my family secretly rooting for the Steelers because it's ingrained in them. So I understand that fan base really well and how they feel about Ben. And that's, like I said, that's where my take comes from. But I do think Ben is one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. Um, are you from Western PA? I didn't hear that in the ESPN clip. Well, I'm from Western Pennsylvania. So okay. if you didn't know that, Dan, let me give it to you again. I'm from, <laughs> people actually think I'm from Ohio, which I love Ohio. I've been in Ohio for 15 years now. I'm from here. Irvine. Oh, uh, 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 I've been uh, here so long that nobody uh, from knows Western that. PA. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. Speaking of top five quarterbacks, Matt Ryan is now the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Your take on that, Joe, because to be honest, he's not in my top 10. He's not in your top 10? Top 10 quarterbacks in the league right now? I have 10 quarterbacks that I would take over him for sure and probably another two or three that I may take over him. Where do you have him ranked, Joe? 
Well, when I make my top 32 QB Tomahawk countdown, Matt Ryan will come in at number eight. Eight. He is right behind Carson Wentz and right ahead of Matt Stafford. Hmm. So you you take him over Stafford. I don't know if I would. That's arguable. I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't mind that take. I would take they're, they're for sure similar. Tom Brady over him, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Big Ben, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton. I take a healthy Andrew Luck, which I understand is a is an asterisk. I would take Phillip Rivers. I think he's better than Matt Ryan. I would take Carson Wentz as well. That's eight. And arguably Stafford, Derek Carr, and Deshaun Watson. I like all three of those guys better than, than Matt Ryan. I don't think if it wasn't for Kyle and um, the juggernaut offense stimulus package that he brings to every single offense and every single quarterback he's around, I don't think people will be talking about Matt Ryan as much as or as high as they do. I get he was the MVP. I'm not taking that away from him. But Kyle makes quarterbacks look better than they are. That is a 100% fact. Based on his body of work, every quarterback he's had has had career years. So that tells me that Kyle Shanahan is more the determining factor of how, quote, unquote, great those quarterbacks are than the actual quarterback. I think Matt Ryan is good, but I just don't think he's a top 10 quarterback. All right, that's fair. But here's what I'll say. If you're a quarterback that's in the top 15, and I put Kirk Cousins at number 15 on my top 32 quarterback list. NFL GMs and coaches understand that without a quarterback, you don't have a chance. True. So they're going to have to pay whatever they want because really those guys basically have a gun to the head of the owner of the GM and the head coach because if they leave, that franchise is over and those guys are getting fired. And we know how hard it is to find a franchise quarterback. Now there's, there's quite a few in the league. I mean, when you look at maybe the top 15 guys, you could really say that's a franchise quarterback that a team is going to keep around for 10, 12, 15 years. But as the salary cap keeps going up, people just start to realize more and more that the quarterback is by and large way, way more important than all the other positions. And they need to capture 30, 40% of the salary cap. And the salary cap is almost $200 million now. So it's easy to say, let's pay our quarterback 30, 35, 40 million dollars because he's worth it. Yeah. Can you no, tell me if, if every player in this league was a free agent right now and Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady could sign with any team they want, how much do you think the bidding would end up getting to in a true auction for their services on a per year basis? It would probably go into people giving equity in the franchise. Yep. It would be like, yo, we'll give you 3% of the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah. if you come play for us, Aaron Rodgers. Which, which quarterback goes for more money if that were to happen? Right I now. I think A-Rod, A-Rod right now goes for the A-Rod most. right now. He's Just younger. Because of Brady's young. age? Brady's got a couple years left. Yeah. Who goes third? Drew Brees. Nah. Maybe. He's getting old, though. So I think probably Russell Wilson, maybe Big Ben is kind of what I would say. Yeah, I'd say not Big Ben because he keeps talking about retirement. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, Drew Brees is a tough one. He actually just resigned, and his deal was actually disrespectful. Um, I'd say probably Cam Newton goes three. Mm-hmm. I would say him and then maybe Carson Wentz, those young guys. Because you think about – like Cam, he's kind of in the middle of his career. I think he's in year seven or eight. So he's probably got another eight good years. But a guy like Carson – He's looking at maybe another 15 years in the NFL. Yeah. So right. 
uh, somewhere probably in there would, would, would be the third, maybe fourth pick, I would think. But right. if I'm running a franchise and there was a true auction in the NFL, I think Aaron Rodgers would probably go for around $50 million per year. So if the Browns, I'm, I'm thinking because we were in Cleveland together and they've been looking for a quarterback for so long, if they had the opportunity to pay Aaron Rodgers $50 million a year and sign him to, let's say, a five-year deal, I think they would do it in a heartbeat. Wow. And that's twice as much as what he's making right now. That's I think he's making like $25, 26000000 million. And he's about to get a new deal, which will easily surpass Matt Ryan, in my opinion. I think yeah. it'll probably be in that $35 million per year range. Which is but crazy. He's, worth it. he's definitely worth it. I'm not saying Matt Ryan doesn't deserve it. I get how the business of football works. I'm just saying it's just crazy that he's the highest paid quarterback ever. And even by your list, he's only eight right now, currently in the league but it's i mean that's the market and i i get it because if i'm him if kirk cousins gets 84 guaranteed yeah i need 100 simple as that i'm an mvp man that was a good take and the scene. Take. <laughs> shut the whole shit down <laughs> all, right. all right hey uh well i think you, you hit the nail on the head there but let's let's pivot to mark ingram he did us a favor here and got himself suspended four games for peds and they just announced it within the last uh seven or eight days and it's another one of these guys we've heard this a million times that's claiming he's innocent he he didn't take a performance enhancer and his agent even came out and made a comment that they're still fighting it with the nfl and it's because it's a substance that is permitted by the nfl with a proper use exemption but apparently he didn't go through the right channels and get the proper use exemption and i think Cleveland had the situation with Joe Hayden like five or six years ago, I want to say. Yeah. I think it was and second, it's all around year, yeah. the ADD drugs, Adderall, Ritalin, whatever the other one is. Um, guys in the NFL are allowed to take it if they have the proper TUE. It's a therapeutic use exemption. Yep. It's something that you have to meet with you know, specialist doctors to prove that you actually have this ADD condition and you're not just using it as a performance enhancer to help mental clarity and energy and focus, um, which, which all those drugs do. I mean, that's what the purpose of the drug is. And actually in the nineties and before that, uh, there was these things called greenies that used to be in everybody's locker room. They had these yeah. big dishes of them in the locker room and they were just these little pills that everyone would take before practicing before games. And that's what it was. It was speed. It was Adderall. It was all those different uh, drugs that give you that huge amount of energy that increased power, that increased stamina, that energy. And I remember talking to guys from playing in the nineties that talk about taking those and they didn't even think twice about it, but they talk about the great effects that it had on their performance uh, in the weight room, on the field and conditioning on game day. I mean, because it doesn't, it allows you a to nice perform. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it allows you to perform at a higher level without being tired. It gives you more stamina and strength and energy and more clarity and focus. So um, for his agent to come out and say that, um, he did not take a performance-enhancing drug, which what his agent was trying to say is that Mark Agram <clears throat> was not taking steroids, was not taking anabolic steroids. He was taking speed. He was taking a drug that he may or may not have ADD. I don't know. Uh, but what he was taking was a performance enhancer because he didn't have the proper TUE from the NFL. This is something that a lot of people have had. A lot of people have run into the problem. But for his agent to say it was not a performance enhancer is being dishonest. Now, maybe he just took it one time because some kids 
use it as a party drug because it helps you kind of stay up and gives you energy. Is that what the kids do, Joe? I think uh, actually- Is that what the kids are doing these days? That's what the kids are doing. I think actually Wes Walker got popped for this a few years. You guys remember, he took, supposedly the story was he went to the Kentucky Derby and he took a Ritalin or one of of these pills to kind of help keep him going so he could party and have energy on the second day. It's like one of these like, you know, party pills that you take to keep the energy going if you get tired. And he got, he got like a random drug test the next day. And out of season at that time, that test for uh, Ritalin or Adderall was considered a positive PED test because it's a performance enhancer. But they actually changed the rules after that, if you guys remember. So I remember. if you test positive for one of those speed type drugs in the off season, it was going to be under the substances of abuse policy, which the first time that you test positive on that is not an automatic four game suspension, like it is if you test positive for one of the uh, anabolic or performance enhancing drug substances uh, in season. <clears throat> so uh, basically, the, the rule was changed, I think, for Wes Welker. And now if you take one of these drugs, and you don't have a TUE in the off season, you just get put into the uh, substance abuse program. If you take it in season, like it sounds like Mark Ingram was, then you get put automatically in the performance enhancing drug uh, uh, discipline program. And I think the issue from the NFL standpoint is, hey, if a guy's taking it to party in the offseason, they shouldn't get banned for four games. But if they're taking it um, during the season on game day for that boost, then they should get suspended for four games. So it'll be interesting. I don't think he's going to win his appeal. The NFL has not been very favorable. I think the appeal is over. Like I, I feel like once they give the suspension, the appeal process is done. Yeah, I think so. But I think you know, the agent in, in his wisdom and his ability to try to sell that he's working really hard for his client. He needs to keep this perception going in the media. And that it's not final. Like it's not, it's inconclusive. It's not final. I know a lot of people at the NFL and I'm working really hard to get you reinstated. And, you know, I'm really, you know, that 3% you're paying me, I'm really, really making that pay because I'm working <laughs> really hard for you, even though he's probably not doing anything because he knows the case is over. Like, like right. you said, once the NFL announces it, it's over. They've heard this a million times. Everybody in the NFL, I think, either knows or really, really should know that if you're going to take an ADD drug, you have to have the TUE. Every NFL team, when they get the players in there, they talk about, hey, if you're taking these drugs, immediately go to your trainer, go see the doctor for the team, and they will try to get you this TUE because without it, you're going to test positive and you're going to be suspended four games. Does that mean he tested positive during the season since it was a PED yeah, I think so. Either that, the, the only other possibility is that he tested positive in the offseason so many times, like let's say three or four times. Yeah. And they, he tested positive, they notified him, he tested positive, they notified him, and he got put in the program and, and so on and so forth that he ended up being suspended four games. Because that's kind of like what happened with Josh Gordon, right? Once yeah. you test positive for weed more than, I think it's like two or three times, that's when the suspensions start. Right. But the first couple of tests, they just put you into like a more of a testing program and they give you counseling uh, and like rehab type uh, program. But I think what, what um, Mark's agent said was that he tested positive towards the end of the season. Mm, so it sounds like it wasn't in season. You know what I want? I want it to be one time where, you know, and I'm not saying Mark Ingram, you know, was trying to make it a PED. Maybe he was trying to party. I don't know the reasons for it. But what I want, which we never hear, we've never quite gotten this from anybody in professional sports, 
is when you fail the, the PED test and you get a suspension and you say, yeah, <laughs> you guys got me. Yeah, you got I me. Was, uh, hey, man. I was juicing hard. I was, I was balling, though, wasn't I? Hey, man, I was trying to be better. I was trying to help my teammates. I was trying to help my team win. I was doing everything I thought I could. You ain't cheating. You ain't trying. You got <laughs> but me. they got me. Better luck next time. I got to shout it down. But, yeah, I was doing it. I was doing it big time, and I was balling, uh. and I had a really great season. But you got me, so I'll see you guys in four. Peace. <laughs> I want That's that. That's great. What is it like for you guys in the locker room when a teammate gets suspended? Like, are you pissed? Do you want to, you know, are you very, what's that like? Yeah, I'm never pissed, to be honest. I think guys, I don't know. I think generally guys aren't pissed. Um, it does hurt your football team. But you got to realize in, in the NFL and professional sports, like most of the guys are so singularly focused on themselves because I can't worry about what that guy's doing because I got to do my job. And if I do my job really, really well, it helps the collective of the team. You know what I mean? Some guys getting hurt does make your job harder. But I was never, when guys got suspended, I was never pissed about it. Like, oh, you know, this guy is, that, because I'm just too worried about me keeping my job and not getting cut the next day, which I thought was always going to happen. So That's the do your job mantra from Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells. <laughs> and I am a former Patriot, Joe, as you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as we've heard a million times. A, a distinguished New England Patriot. Don't you yeah. ever forget it. <laughs> distinguished. Your four days were real memorable, let me tell you. Man, <laughs> did I leave my mark or what? Yeah, I heard to this day they actually keep a seat open in the yeah. team meeting room in memory of Hawk. Yeah, they do. They do. But, uh, from my perspective, you know, when, when a player gets suspended like that, the first thing I think of is, how could you be so dumb? And then I, I have this little feeling of you let us down a little bit. Like a guy like Mark Ingram, he's a guy that the team's going to count on next year. And to lose him for four games, you're going to have that feeling a little bit like, how could you be so dumb and how could you not think about your teammates before yeah. you do something like that? Now, most of the guys always claim like, oh, it was a tainted supplement, right? And, you know, who knows if that is true or not. But everybody in the NFL knows that if you're taking some supplement from GNC, you need to make sure it doesn't have some whack-ass shit in it. Right. Like the only time that I feel sort of sorry for people that tested positive was star caps. Remember Wait that? a minute. Hold on. Time out, Joe. What was that description you gave? Some whack ass shit. Oh, man. I like it. <laughs> Can't be taking that. It's definitely on the ban list. <laughs> That's on the ban list. That's on the ban list. I'm going to come out with a supplement, WAS, and it's going to pump your workouts to a million, man. I know you don't work out, Hawk, so you wouldn't know what that's like. Heck no. I have no idea what that's like. Your six-pack is way better than mine right now. Remember the Star Caps issue? It was legitimately like they took Star Caps to the NFL and said, hey, can we take this stuff? And the NFL said through their hotline, which was like no longer after that, was, uh, yeah, the Star Caps is cool. You can take that. There's nothing on the label that's banned. Well, Star Caps was putting some extra stimulant in there that yeah. wasn't on the label that nobody knew about until all these players tested positive. And so I, I, I felt sympathy on, in that regard. But for the most part, I don't feel sim a sympathy for guys that are taking supplements that they don't approve with the NFL or guys that are just flat out lying. They were using some type of banned substances they thought they could get away with and they didn't get away with it. So they just lied about it. Yeah. No, I have no sympathy for him either. And it hurts Mark Ingram because he's 29 years old. He's going in to a contract year, maybe. I mean, he had his best season last year, but running backs don't get paid on the other side of 30. So now what you do is you have a, a four game suspension where you've created a gap, a gap that somebody else can step into. You already have the rookie of the year in Alvin. Right, yeah, exactly. And yes, he's a change of pace back and he does a lot of things, but 
he's not always going to want to be that. So this gives the opportunity for him to show, yo, I'm the man. I don't need anybody else. So if he has a big four games and they bring someone in like Adrian Peterson, who is going to could be a, that bruiser and that change of pace, then you kind of sealed your fate in, in New Orleans and maybe for the rest of your career. Because like I said, it's, it's hard to convince teams to pay 30-year-old running backs in general. So it's really bad timing. So not only does he help, you know, his team is let down, he's kind of let down himself as well. Yeah. Well, I think he screwed himself more than anybody. And, and you laid out the reasons why perfectly there. But I think that's a great opportunity to pivot to Adrian Peterson. AP, he's a guy all day. That's not with the team right now. He finished the season in Arizona, didn't really have much of a season out there. But there's talk about him now maybe coming back with the Saints. And uh, he's one of the guys like Hawk that likes to make sure everybody knows that he works really hard in the offseason. I don't do that. I put out one workout video. It went viral. And that was it. I wasn't a big workout in the offseason video guy. That was a cool video. I put it out there, and that's it. You, were the, you sent me a video <laughs> of you pushing a truck and yeah, asked me if I could post it for you. Oh, no. That never happened. Like, no. That's, that's not true. I don't, ha- I don't have an Instagram. Can you put this on Instagram for me? <laughs> I'm pushing this, this truck. I said, Joe, no. it's, in, it's in drive. There's someone in the driver's seat. <laughs> that. It's not going to go viral. Would you come on, uh, man? Yeah, you want to get all the views for yourself. Well, we've drifted a long way from reality here on the Tomahawk <laughs> show recently. But anyways, Adrian Peterson, he's one of the all-time beasts in the NFL. Uh, we were in the same draft class. <clears throat> I remember hearing stories about him even coming out of college. The dude works super hard. He's extremely motivated. He's an incredible worker. But he posted this recent video on his Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, of him running like seven miles on a, on a treadmill at, at a pretty healthy clip, right? Um, there was two things that I thought immediately. All right, three things. The first thing is, wow, I can't even run 700 yards. So seven <laughs> miles is really amazing. The second thing is during the middle of the video, the guy that's filming kind of goes and pans to the right. And you see like this 60-year-old guy like trying to keep up next to him on the treadmill. That really made me laugh. I, I thought uh, instantly of like my dad running, running next to Adrian Peterson and some old guy in Milwaukee. Uh, but the, the last thing I thought is, now I'm I'm not like a PhD in new in uh, exercise science, but I've had a, a lot of conversations about how to train. And I was on the track team in college. I had lots of conversations with our track coaches, um, with the distance guys, the sprints coaches, and throughout my career, it's been very interesting to me. And one thing that I think I know, I could be way off, but. When you're a power and speed athlete, which Adrian Peterson is, right, the longest he's going to run in a season is maybe 80 yards if he busts out a big run. And for the most part, it's three, four seconds. It's short bursts of power using fast twitch muscles. It's explosive quick cuts. Um, And the muscle and the energy systems that you need to train are similar to what you're going to use on the football field, right? If you're going out and running seven miles on a treadmill, now you're going to get a better cardio base. You're going to have, you know, the ability to run at a slower speed longer, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but the energy systems that you're going to be using when you're a football player are not being trained. And it's actually counterproductive to go out and run seven miles if you're a power athlete, because you're actually going to be using slow twitch fibers versus fast twitch fibers and when you train those slow twitch fibers at long slow paces like he was you're going to lose some of those fast twitch fibers which is what you use to survive in your sport so now 
what I think he was doing was impressive. I don't think it was really all that smart for a football player, especially a running back, to go out and just run seven miles. Now, everyone was amazed, and he had like 10 million likes uh, and retweets. So he obviously got what he wanted. But I just don't think whoever his trainer was, or maybe he's just doing that on his own because it's really hard, I don't think that was the smartest thing for a guy that's a power and speed athlete to be doing. Because if you train like a marathoner, you're going to look like a marathoner. And one quick anecdote, when I was in college, I remember I was really close to the cross country guys because as a thrower on the track team, I would go do my three or four throws. Yeah. As a track participant, not a, not an athlete. I was a thrower. We would go and, you know, throw my, my three shot or discus throws. Then I go eat hot dogs and hang out with the the distance guys, right. Who weren't eating because you know, distance guys never eat. But I would remember we'd play like little basketball in the locker room at at Wisconsin and those dudes verticals. I'm not kidding you. They couldn't get three or four inches off the ground. I think if you measured NFD's vertical, it would be at least three or four times as great as some of these middle distance and long distance runners because the way they train, they lose all those fast twitch fibers. They can't jump. They're not explosive at all. Now, if we ran a lap around the track, they'd beat me by at least two minutes. But that's not what you want to train when you're an NFL player. Hawk, what do you think? Why am I wrong? Um, because I can I think, jump. That's why you're wrong. Well, first off, <laughs> NFD can dunk two-hand windmill through the leg from the free throw line. So that's number one. Number two, wow. I don't think you're an expert in any of the things you just laid out. That's true. I'm not. <laughs> I don't think you have, like, I really don't think you've done any studying. Nope. I think you were just rattling things off. It sounded super smart. And I was like, yeah, that sounds. I appreciate you know, it, man. I have no idea myself, so I really don't have a take on it. But I will say, just because he did that doesn't mean that's all he's doing. You don't know. He might have did, you know, 40 carries. Or maybe that is his cardio. Because we also do run tests where we run, you know, 110s or 60s. And that's stupid. And that's stupid too, right? 60s like, isn't is bad. The, the worst one is the 300-yard shuttle. That's just Yeah, the 300-yard shuttle. Like, that's just sports. Maybe it's cardio. I think he's such a freak athlete. He is. I don't think he made himself worse by running seven, seven miles. No. And and no. let me be clear here, if he did it once or let's say four times in the offseason, it's not going to hurt him. It's only going to help him, right? Because you're kind of building that cardio, that base that right. you, you could use for being a football player. But if this is what he's doing two days a week all offseason, I think it's going to hurt him. Yeah, I don't, now, I, I don't know. I, I would love to have some sports scientists and some people that are really smart, like guys that train sprinters and football players that are really like PhD level people chime in on it. And I, and I put this on Twitter yesterday and I'm hoping that people kind of uh, chime in and it becomes a conversation. I would love to hear some really smart people and see what their feedback is. And I mean, maybe Usain Bolt goes out and he runs seven miles a day. I don't know. But yeah. from everything that I know about training sprinters and football players versus long distance guys says that going out and running seven miles in a treadmill a couple of days a week is not a good way to train if you're a running back. But what if he's already like, cause we know and that's my jealousy and, speaking. Yeah. What if he's really, really explosive, which we know he is. Well, he is. He already is, but I'm saying you hurt your explosiveness. Maybe long, his, runs. Maybe his problem is his endurance. Maybe he wants to be back to a 25, 30 carry back. And in the fourth quarter, he finds himself not as in shape as he needs to be. Mm-hmm. And this is his fix for that. And maybe he's just that good of an athlete where he doesn't sacrifice. Like, if I run seven miles a day, I don't think I would lose my quickness. I mean, I've already lost it because I don't do anything. But 
I will say that I think Adrian Peterson is one of those freak athletes that yep. he could probably do things like that. And I don't know how often he's doing it, but All right. Granted, if he's sitting on the couch doing the Andrew Hawkins potato chips and Mountain Dew workout, yeah, running seven miles on the treadmill is way better, right? Yeah, he's showing us his uh, his lack of abs right now. My potato chips versus the Adrian Peterson. Always do workout over not workout. That's not even the question. The question yeah. is, what's the best way to train when you're an NFL player? And in my opinion, if he's saying, well, at 20 carry, 25, 26, I feel like I'm getting tired. I would say that maybe doing like 60s, maybe doing 40, 60s, doing those on repeat would be a better use of your time. And you would have a better ability to maintain speed, quickness, power, explosion by training like that versus the way he is training seven miles. Because once you start running for seven miles, let's just say he's running five minute miles. I don't know. So he's over 30, 40 minutes of running there. Your, mm. your body is going to start to eat your muscle away because it, it's, it's using so much energy that if he doesn't stop and like refuel his muscle, what he's doing is he's, he's, preserving fat and burning muscle what so if he has too much muscle well hey, all right well but yeah maybe we can get into hypotheticals and, and I mean, granted, we're talking about doing. they're all hypotheticals like yeah, we're talking one percent here so you're like, saying if he is if he is so you are assuming he's at peak muscle composition and physical shape right now that he well, i'm saying through. that's what he should strive for in the off season that's what we all strive for i know i'm just saying i don't know how realistic it just is strive to just show up and i don't know i i did something I, it was hard i don't know what i did in the off season you know i push trucks push trucks with people hitting the gas pedal in the front seat <laughs> this is also not rooted in any any kind of uh, expertise but i think if you're an nfl player as long as you are doing something consistently you're gonna be okay like as long as you're doing like a minimal level of professional training that you're probably going to be all right because you're already one of the world's elite. And I just feel like there's so much BS around sports performance. Yeah. It's like every time I do something, someone else says, oh, this is the way you should be doing it. And I'm an expert. And the next guy says, well, I'm an expert. I think you should do it this way. And then I always felt that if I did something two days a week in the offseason, I was going to be okay for when the offseason conditioning program started. Now, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean through January, February, and March. I'm just saying like, four weeks out from the start of the off-season program, or two weeks at minimum, I need to be doing something two days a week, lifting, squatting, running, to be able to prepare myself so that I'm ready to be able to survive the beginning of the off-season workouts. And then I always felt that I needed to run and lift three days a week in the summer to make sure I was ready for the run test and for training camp. Right. And outside of that, it wasn't really all that important what I did because the only way you can get into football shape is by playing football. You can go and do 15 miles on the treadmill every day, or you can go out and run 140s. Right. When you strap that helmet up and you put those shoulder pads on and you got guys tackling you and hanging all over you and you're pushing dudes and it's 95 degrees out, yep. you ain't going to be ready no matter what you did in the offseason. It doesn't now, matter. You could be ready and, and feel better about it, but you ain't going to be really ready and not tired because – there's nothing like football that gets you ready for football. And I always felt it took two weeks for me to really get into football shape after we started in the offseason and during training camp. How about you? Well, I think, yeah, I think it's about right. It probably took me about a week to get into to football shape. Receivers are a little different, though, because we do a lot of running. Yeah. And, and you're 100% right, man. You can't get into football with – you can't get in football shape without playing football. Most coaches know that. But then, again, it goes into the point that most run tests are pointless – 
It's just to make yes. sure that you did something this offseason and didn't sit on the couch and eat bonbons and fast food. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about the run test, all I can think about is last week's episode when we interviewed Gary Barnage. And you guys told the story <laughs> about after 240s, he's throwing up, he's stretchered <laughs> off the field. Those of you who didn't listen to it, go back and listen. It's a great interview. Yes. Gary's terrible at the run test, apparently. Gary didn't do anything um, in the offseason. He came on here and told us that that was his offseason regiment, that it was best for him not to do anything. Um, so, All right, you guys ready to transition to some Tomahawk Q&A? Let's do it, man. Who we got? No, are you ready to transition to some Tomahawk Q&A? I want some more enthusiasm. Yes, we are ready. <laughs> Woo! Tomahawk. All right, first yeah. question comes from CLE Johnny. Is Joe too tall to ride the roller coasters at Cedar Point? And Talk is Hawk too, too short? Oh, Johnny, you saw the question. So wow. clever. I didn't see it. Johnny Football, he's funny. All the way Whenever, from Canada. He's throwing Whenever zingers. you go to the uh, amateur school of joke telling, it's easy to <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to catch your punt line, CLE Johnny. But I like it, though. Yes, I can ride the rides at Cedar Point, Johnny. <laughs> Hardy har. Joe, is there a height? That is a real question. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't yeah. know that. Actually, there's a really big amusement park in Chicago or north side of Chicago where we used to go growing up and it's called Great America and it had all the same type of stuff as a Cedar Point. It wasn't quite as good, but similar. And there was one of these rides where you kind of sit in a seat, but your legs dangle. And then there's a shoulder uh, bar that kind of comes down over your shoulders and they only have like so much space for your torso. And actually, I was too tall to ride that ride because <laughs> even when I kind of squished down, they couldn't get that shoulder bar all the way down to like snap the seatbelt buckle that buckles you in all the way. And so there is one ride that I was not able to ride. So uh, although Hawk just barely makes the height requirement, I was too tall for one ride and one day in history. That's funny. That's funny. You know, that does, that does bring me to a good point. Uh, CLE Johnny, so I appreciate it. The Eagles drafted a guy named Jordan Maialata, who was a rugby player, and he's huge. He's 6'8", 346 pounds, right? He's, like, abnormally big. He might even be 6'9", but he's, like, super-duper big. With shorter guys or lighter guys, and I tweeted this out a while ago, the scouting reports always say, quote-unquote, he lacks NFL size, right? Well, there's a lot of players who are shorter and lighter that have played in the NFL. So that doesn't really make all the way sense, but I get what they're saying. It's not prototypical size, which is different than he lacks the NFL size. So my point is, I would imagine they're saying, again, that it's not ideal size. So does that mean a guy who's 6'9", 346 also lacks NFL size? Because yeah, who is too, that? He's too big to ride the roller coaster, so yes. <laughs> like, if you're that big, like, normally players that big aren't great NFL players. Are there a few? Yes. As there are five, seven receivers or, you know, six-foot quarterbacks. So why is it when they're super huge, people don't say he lacks NFL size? This is Sounds me. like you're bitter. This is me being bitter. This is me fighting oh, one for the good guys, <laughs> for the short guys, for the light guys. I'm your champion. I'm championing for you, guys. Hmm. Well, all I'll say is there was a guy named Jonathan Ogden. He was a pretty good tackle. Yeah, he back was great. in the day, Darren Sproles. You heard of him? We can go. We can do this all day, Joe. <laughs> we can do this all day. I'm ready. All right, we get your point. Next all right. question. All right, from Mike Ear. What hairline will Joe choose for his bust in Canton? Early Joe or receding Joe? Wow. Ooh, ooh. 
I, I like how he tried to throw the Hall of Fame stuff in there to kind of yeah, like soften the, the major. <laughs> that's hurt. what I mean with these comments. And I don't know if it's Dan, the one he's ones he's picking, but they're like backhanded, like, <laughs> yeah, props. And it's not. Th- these are see, real questions. We see through it. Yeah. We see through it. Dan, we know you hate us. Just come out and say it. <laughs> All right. Listen, let's start it up. Let's get some. Can we get some NFD questions right now for this week? We need NFD questions and comments because i don't like where this trend is going <laughs> and we're gonna have to start putting input in on you dan mm-hmm. questions for next week for me to answer no not for you to answer for the the tomaflock to give us questions about you i want some nfd okay. questions okay we start putting you in and we're gonna pick those ones so don't you even worry about it dan i'm gonna be the one to pick them <laughs> i'm also gonna be the one to create the fake twitter accounts to ask them so <laughs> you could be excited to andrew hear about that. And cleveland andrew yeah, C-L-E, Drew. <laughs> okay, this next one comes from... We didn't get the answer from Joe. All right, here's my answer. Point. I'm going to try to get as much hair as I possibly can if and when I get a bust in Canton. I don't know what the rules are. I feel like they're not going to just let you choose, right? Because otherwise everyone would choose, like, the most hair and the awesomest look. Joe's going to fake news and put himself an afro. <laughs> yeah, they want an actual representation of what you look like. So I feel like it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle of, like, having great hair and then having no hair like I currently have. Well, I was going to say, that is a good question, though, because you played under both appearances. You had hair when you started, and now you have a lot less hair. Oh, wow. Well, That's when I job. started in the NFL, I was over here giving hair takes. 21. I got the best hair on the Tomahawk show. You did, but you have the worst face. Next, next, <laughs> next question, Dan. Doesn't, doesn't exist. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> From Nate Horgan, now that you guys are both retired, how often do you guys lift? Oh, man. <laughs> Talk I'm, about I'm dichotomy bad. here. <laughs> I'm batting a clean zero since retirement. I have not lifted one time. Why? Do you just hate working out? Like, I feel like you weren't a guy that hated it. I mean, I know receivers don't really like to work out. You guys are wimps and you're not tough. But it's so surprising that you wouldn't work out at all. Nothing. You have no desire. I just haven't had time. I'm honestly between doing so much and then I think just 20 straight years of it around the clock kind of just turned me off to it. Because, see, when you would work out, you would lift. And I wouldn't mind lifting, but it would also be, like, the running. Like, you didn't have to run as much as I did to stay in shape. So it was, like, much. it was year-round running, and it, it did turn me off to it. I'm not going to lie. It was – I hated it every time, but it was a necessary evil, and I wanted to be really good at it. So when I got done, I'm like, man, I really don't have to do this anymore. So I'm like, I'll take a week off. I'll take a month off. <laughs> take two years are. off. <laughs> Here we are, six years later. <laughs> what about you, Joe? I know you're still rehabbing from your, your injury, right? Yeah, I love the workout. I love lifting weights. Now, I'm not a running guy. I mean, I can't run anymore because my knees and my hips are really bad, but I love the workout. I, I was actually working out four days a week after I hurt my elbow, but then my knees and hips started hurting. So I like kind of backed off all the lower body stuff. And now I just train a little bit more like a ninja, like two days a week, <laughs> I'm upper body, pretty heavy stuff. And one day a week, I'm lifting low weight, higher rep, lower body stuff. And I like to throw a lot of yoga in my routine. Um, but for the most part, I'm, I'm doing my, my upper body lift, heavy lift, and then I'm rehabbing my elbow and just doing some light lower body stuff to just try to maintain my muscle there. And then trying to do a lot of flexibility, mobility stuff just to keep those joints mobile and keep myself feeling good. I, I'm just lifting for cosmetic and to feel good right now. And, and uh, I feel like it's been good. You look good, Joe. I'll tell you that, man. I'm no Andrew Hawkins, but uh, I'm trying to get there. 
All right, what else we got? Next question comes from Caleb Helms. If you guys had to pick one teammate to be stuck on an island with, who would it be? Mm, that's a loaded mm. question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Joe Thomas is the right answer. Oh, wow. Can't you feel the love here? Tomahawk uh, show. That's a great question. I think um, outside of Joe Thomas and outside of Andrew Hawkins, how about we do it that yeah. way? Because I know your answer, Joe. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would. I love yeah. our conversations. So clearly, <laughs> clearly, you were about to say me. I don't fun. know. Let me think. The problem is though, when the food ran out, you you don't have a lot of meat on you. You're a very small human, so I would probably yeah. choose somebody a little larger, like a Danny Shelton. He have a lot of marbling <laughs> in his body, and so if we had to eat him. At the end, we'd have plenty of food to go around to survive many, many months on the island. I don't think that's where that question would go. <laughs> Not what teammate do you want to eat? Thinking about Survivor, I right? Cook, I would cook Danny first. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, is that it, Dan? I think that is a good note to end on there. Well, here's a good end. This is more of a statement. This is from Bourbon Twenty Nine. Bourbon. I can't believe my first words ever to my favorite NFL player, Joe Thomas, were "Joe Hawk yourself." <laughs> oh, no, Bourbon. We wouldn't Apparently have, he said that to you. We wouldn't have had it any other way. Joe was probably super awkward, weren't you, Joe? No, I love fans. I'm always really good with my fans. Unlike you, who's always shunning everybody that wants your autograph and your picture, you're always such a jerk to them. And me, I'm <laughs> oh, that is a lots that of is, hugs. Man, we 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 kept the fallacies going this whole show, didn't we? <laughs> 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 uh, one day we'll right. one day we'll get into some some true fan interaction stories. No more statements, Dan? I thought there was one more statement that got put in there get, later. Get the it. statement he wants, Dan. <laughs> Give it to him. Give the man what he wants. Here's a statement Joe's been waiting for. This one came on Twitter from Butterside Up. Okay, says, that's a sweet Twitter I name. I like Hawk, but with all due respect, his arrogance can get annoying. <laughs> he should be more humble like Joe. More <laughs> of those backhanded compliments. Like, I like you, but I hate you. Uh, no, there was no compliment there. He uh, said, I like Hawk. It was a compliment in FD. And on top of that, I don't mind it, actually. I appreciate That's it. That's good. Hey, man, you got to be known for something, right? Hey. At least. At I mean, least I, I'm, with, I'm without a face. You're arrogant. Joe's yeah, like, who balding. Here, the humble nomad receipt NFL player. Like, yeah. I already don't have the pro Hall of Fame career. So why would I be here if I was so meek all the time? I have to show my, let my personality show. I'm just a regular guy like everyone else. I'm just a lot better at drafts and, and takes and everything. Oh, I don't we're not know. Drafts. Who that. won that last draft? All right, guys, we're not going to get into that right now, but I think that was one of our best shows ever. Unfortunately, we, we've run out of time. Yeah. And we never got to our fast food draft. We didn't get to talk about the NFL top 100. But if you tune in next week, we will definitely hit that. That'll be at the top of our list. Yes. So make sure you ask more questions on Twitter with hashtag Tomahawk. We'll accept statements that are derogatory towards Andrew and pumping up my ego. Please I will go put to those in there. Page, Tomahawk Show and subscribe and rate the show five stars wherever you get your podcast. Remember, we lead the world in five-star podcast <laughs> ratings. Universe. Make sure you don't miss out on that train. And as always, NFD, take us out. Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>